0: You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. We are going to be, we're continuing our series Holy Work this morning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, we're going to be in Acts Chapter 5 this morning, uh, a big thanks to Chris Wren who was able to fill in for me uh, this past week. I called, he, he said it last week, but I texted him at 7.30 and I was like, is there any way? Like I cannot be there. It was awful. So I appreciate it, Chris. You did a great job. I had a chance to go back and listen to it and uh, if, you, if you missed it, if you, if you ever miss any of our messages, you can go back and we have them available via podcast, anywhere you find podcasts or on YouTube uh, and we're live streaming on Facebook now. That's a thing we do. So we've got people who uh, maybe can't be with us this morning that are able to join us live watching us what we're doing here. That's pretty cool, right? Everybody want to say hey. hey? Hey. I don't know if anybody's even watching, but yeah, and if they watch later, they'll see it too. Um, well, glad you guys are here with us. We'll be in Acts chapter 5 and kind of a recap for where we've been. Uh, so we've seen the Holy Spirit arrive and he's starting to do things. And, and what we've seen happen is that the, those who are believers and followers are, have, been, have started to become persecuted, right? It's, it's just kind of really started and, and they're really operating under the threat of being punished for sharing the gospel, being punished for talking about Jesus. And so we, we saw that they're doing that. And then we also talked about how they are also highly regarded by the people, the people who were walking around them and, and interacting with them. These weren't people that was like, oh, those rebels. These were people that was like, man, I, those people are good people. They're doing good things. They were highly regarded among the people. And, and that's important for us to keep in mind as we get into the passage that we'll be in today. So picking up in Acts chapter five, we're going to be in verse 17 Uh, It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. Again, a reminder, when it says the temple, these are not, this is not the temple of believers. This is the temple of Jews. These are the people who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so for them to enter in, they're essentially preaching a different religion from what they've been told and into this place that is not very welcoming of them. And so they go in and and God he orchestrates a jailbreak. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. And spoiler alert, this isn't the only one we're going to see in Acts. This is a kind of like a regular occurrence that we'll see happen in Acts. But they, he breaks the, the angel comes and he breaks them out of the jail and he tells them, go preach the gospel. And what I want us to look at this morning is that, that when we follow God, when we are obedient, there are some perks, right? Obedience has perks. Obedience has perks. Now, I had to be very careful of how I worded this point because it's a little bit of a slippery slope. It's a little bit of a slippery slope to think that um, if we obey God, that everything is just going to go great. That's not true. It's not, the, the truth is not if we obey God that he makes our life completely easier. It doesn't mean that we're going to have material blessings and we're going to get rich and we're going to always have everything that we could ever want. That's not what obedience leads to, but there are some perks. And the, the, what happens is we tend to drift towards those incorrect ways of thinking because we put ourselves at the center, We put ourselves at the center, and it's really more like we are stepping into God's plan. We get to experience the blessings that are already there. He is the purpose. He is at the middle. There might be times that you get to experience a blessing, but it's not because God is on your side. It's because you are on his side. How many of you guys have ever been rafting or tubing before? A lot of you guys, okay. you were like rafting, I'm not sure. And then I said tubing, and everyone's like, Yes, I have been tubing before. I'm with you now. Okay, so when you are a rafting or tubing, think about the river like God's will, right? When you're in there, it's pushing you forward, right? It's cooler than being outside, because nobody ever goes tubing in like the winter unless you're crazy. If if we gotta do I gotta talk to you after if you've been tubing in the winter. That, that water's cold. So you go and it's hot, and you're like, man, the water feels good. You get to experience some of the blessings. But it doesn't mean that you're going to not occasionally fall out. Because if you, you know, if you've been rafting or tubing, you're probably going to fall out at some point. Or if you go raft if you go tubing, and it hasn't rained in a while, and you kind of get stuck, you know what I'm talking about? And you kind of got like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin's like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you got to kind of, you got to do that scoot where, and it's like, that's not an easy thing, bad a little bit, Right? So it's not always easy. It doesn't mean, it's not like the lazy river at Whitewater where you just get to float around all the time, right? Sometimes there's still going to be bumps and, and, and you, might, you might fall out. But you know what's funny is I don't think we've ever been in the river and thought, you know what? It's so cool that I have this river on my side, right? That's not, that's not how we think. You know, you are in the river. The river's doing what it wants to do regardless of you, right? Like that river is flowing regardless. Now, some of us might sink it and make it change its flow a little bit more than others. But, you know, it's going to keep going no matter if we're there or not. We don't think that the river is there for us. But sometimes with God, we start to think he's there for us. We start to think his will revolves around us instead of realizing we are stepping into his will, and sometimes, you know, if you get out of the river, if you've ever been tubing or rafting and there's people like walking beside, you know, all of a sudden the, the blessings of the river aren't there. They're having to bear all their weight themselves. When you're in the water, you're a little bit lighter. You might be floating on something, right? It's a little bit cooler. You, you have a sense of direction. You know exactly where you're going. The river is guiding your sense of direction. And when you're not, you, you kind of have to figure out where you're going and you're, you might get lost. You might... You know, you might pick the wrong trail when you're going on a hike, but when you're on a river, you're going the way the river is going to take you. It's not like you have an option to be like, I don't like where the river's going. Let me change the direction of the river. The river doesn't say, should I change directions based on what you want? So when we're thinking about obedience, it's we are stepping into the perks that are already there. The believers got to experience what it was like to be in the middle of God's will. They get what it's like to be in the river, overcoming obstacles, bursting through dams, and cutting through rocks. What's incredible is that we get to experience God's pursuit of his plan. Them getting busted out of prison wasn't about them, okay? It wasn't about them. It wasn't just that God was like, "Ah, you know, them being in jail is not really like a good look for me. So it's not really like they're uncomfortable, right? Like they're not... They're not having a good time in there. And I want people to know that when you follow me, you're going to have a good time. So let me bust them out of jail. He didn't bust them out of jail so that they could be more comfortable. He busted them out of jail to do what? Preach the gospel. They had a mission. It was a purpose and it was not about them. It wasn't like, they're really uncomfortable. Let me get them out of that uncomfortable situation. He just got them out of one uncomfortable situation into another, right? Right? It's like, let me break you out of jail, and then I want you to go do the exact same thing that got you thrown in jail in the first place. It was about God. They got to experience this amazing event because they were experiencing God's pursuit of his will, God's pursuit of his plan. There's going to be things that we get. Sometimes it might be material blessings. You might also experience that, but that doesn't mean it's not always that way. And it's always not going to be sunshine and roses and rainbows either. It's not always easy. The only one of Jesus' 12 disciples that we know died a peaceful death was John. John is the only one who died kind of of old age, but even then he spent years in exile. And all of the other disciples, the ones that we know how they died, Peter, Matthew, Bartholomew, Andrew, Thomas, uh, including Paul and James, the brother of Jesus, they were all brutally killed because of their faith brutally killed because of their faith. So when we have this idea like when we follow God, everything's going to be easier or our life's going to have this like great happy ending, we kind of miss the point. Because although obedience has its perks, the obedience isn't for our benefit. The obedience is for his will and for his purpose. And the flip side of that is that everything good that we do have is from him. James, brother of Jesus, who I just mentioned, he was brutally killed for his faith. He said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. There are incredible benefits to following God. And we get to experience His goodness in ways that we can't expect. Think about the the believers who are sitting in in that jail. I don't think it was even on their radar of what was about to happen, right? They were like, you know what? I'm so glad that I can serve the Lord. I'm probably going to die in this jail or I'll get out whenever I get out, you know, but then all of a sudden an angel shows up and opens the door for them, that was not like, there's no way they were expecting that. And there's a lot of times that in your life you are going to experience God doing things that you're like, I did not expect that. I did not expect to experience something this good, but God had other plans. God wanted to to work through me in this way. And again, it wasn't just because he wanted them to be, comfortable is because he had a mission it's the holy work that we've been talking about this whole series they had a holy work to get to god didn't want them in prison to slow them down he wanted them he wanted the gospel to be proclaimed so he busted them out of jail for his glory and they obeyed so they go back and they go back to to preaching the gospel and and they understood that that this wasn't just something that happened for them, but it was for the benefit of others. And then picking back up in, in chapter 5, verse 21. It says, When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving to the jail, officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, and when we, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Again, that's that idea of being highly regarded by the people. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. What name is that? Jesus. Thank you. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God, our ancestors raised, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Reading this passage can invoke a couple different feelings, right? Like it might, you might feel empowered, like you're like, Yes! They've got broken out. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Like they, they kind of shut down. Like, like, man, they get to do what they're supposed to do. But then it also, it also might make us feel uh, like righteously rebellious, right? It's like, yeah, like who who am I to obey? Am I supposed to obey humans or am I to obey God? You know, it, it invokes this. But but what's interesting is is it invokes this kind of this feeling of rebellion, right? But Scripture is pretty clear about what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to act and, and treat authority. In Romans chapter 13, it says, "'Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, "'for there is no authority except that which God has established. "'The authorities that exist have been established by God. "'Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority "'is rebelling against what God has instituted, "'and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves.'" For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the governing authorities are God's servants who, you give, who, who give their full time to governing, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So how do we reconcile these two things, right? Like here scripture is saying, respect your authority, but also Paul, Peter says, who am I supposed to obey? Men or God? How do we reconcile these two ideas? Because at first they seem like they might be conflicting. I think the key here is that we have to pick our battles. Pick your battles. Do your very best to obey both God and the authority that has been, been put in place. The point is not to be rebellious. The point of the, of, the apostles, of the disciples here was not that they were intentionally being rebellious. And, and that's really what the passage in Romans is, is talking about is, is the why not. Why not be rebellious? Because being rebellious sheds bad light on us, right? We, we aren't going to be highly regarded like we talked about a few weeks ago. We will not be highly regarded if we're just rebelling against everything someone tells us to do. If we want to be highly regarded, so even if there is a moment where we have to break the law to obey God, don't do it with a sense of pride. Don't be proud of the rebellion. In the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, you know, they're told that they have to bow down and worship the idol when the trumpet sounds, and they're just like, ugh, can't do that, right? And they don't do it. But the purpose in them doing that, it, it wasn't this, like, rebellious, I'm not going to do it, right? It's just like, hey, uh, I, can't, I just can't do that, Right? They weren't doing it in order to be rebellious. They were doing it in order to be obedient. But that's more the the exception than the rule, right? That's more the exception than the rule. The times that that the authority, and and especially in, in this country, in the United States, praise God we live in a country where we are free to worship God. And there's very rarely times that these two things are going to clash. We have to pick our battles well because we're not commanded to say Merry Christmas, right? That's not in the Bible. You guys can, if you want to take the next couple of minutes and look, through, look for Christmas in your Bible, you ain't going to find it. It's not in there. We are never told in Scripture, say Merry Christmas. So if that's the battle we're picking, If that's the battle we're picking, we're not going to be highly regarded. If we're picking this battle over something that is frivolous, it's going to be like, this is what's important to you? Who cares if we say happy holidays or Merry Christmas? The only thing that matters is that Jesus was born. God came to earth. Amen? Amen. That's the important thing. Not not a greeting we say to someone when we're leaving Walmart. That's, That's not what's important at all. Pick better battles. When the disciples say we must obey God rather than human beings, God specifically told them, preach the gospel. This isn't the same as digging our heels in on on any issue that we just decide is important. Now, there are countries where preaching the gospel is illegal. In those countries, I do support breaking the law. You have to break the law. You have to have scripture. I love the, the people who are sneaking Bibles into countries who do not have scripture because we have to spread the gospel. We have to teach others what God has done. But if the focus is on being rebellious instead of the purpose of spreading the gospel, that is what is wrong. If our purpose is just I want to rebel against, against this authority, that's, that goes directly against what Paul is talking about. We honor God when we have a heart focused on obedience to him, not rebellion to authority. I, uh, I got in trouble when I was in third grade. It's going to surprise a lot of you guys. Uh, I, I, got in, I used to get in trouble for talking too much in school. Uh, I was pausing for a shocked reaction. I expected a lot more gasps there. Uh, and I got, in trouble for, I got in trouble for sharing the gospel when I was in third grade. Now, I will say that context matters here. Um, because we were supposed to be quietly working on a worksheet that the teacher had passed out. And in my little third grade brain, I decided this is the best time for me to share the gospel with the kid sitting next to me. And so was I actually being persecuted for sharing the gospel? No. I was not obeying authority. I decided now is when I'm going to do this. I don't care what else is happening. And it's like, that's not, that's not the right attitude. Right? Like I had all day. I had all day. I, if I remember correctly, I think I graduated high school with this kid. So I had like a decade that I could have shared the gospel with this kid. But, but and, and, and not only that, but instead of going off at recess to practice my Power Ranger moves by myself in this dirt patch in the playground, I could have gone to share the gospel then, right? In reality, there was no conflict between following authority and doing what I should do. It's not like that was the only time that I had to talk to this kid. So if I had stood up in that moment when my teacher was like, Blake, I actually think I did. I I think I said, I'm telling you about Jesus. And she was like, that's great. Do it later. Just don't do it right now. But if I had stood up and said, am I to obey humans or God. That would have looked ridiculous, right? That would have looked ridiculous. Now, technically, it's what he said. But we have to look at it in the context of can we find any way to reconcile obeying authority and being obedient to God? There was a way that I could be obedient to the the authority of my teacher and share the gospel. But instead, my focus was on talking when I wasn't supposed to, which reoccurring theme in my life even to this day ask my wife so so we have we can't have this this attitude of like i'm going to rebel because i need to do this now but an attitude of obedience again i'm so thankful that we live in a country where it's rare if ever that we have a conflict with the legal system and loving god it's rare if ever That we have a conflict between the legal system and loving God. If there ever comes a time where we have to break the law in order to love God, do it not out of rebellion, but obedience to God. If we ever have to break the law to love people, don't do it out of rebellion, do it out of obedience to God. There should be this attitude, this this humble like, "Ah, I hate that I have to do this. I hate that I have to break the law in order to do what I'm supposed to do. Not an attitude of, well, you know what? I'll do whatever I have to. That's an issue of pride. We're not called to be prideful people. Humility. It should be like, man, I hate that I have to circumvent. I have to go around and try to sneak through in order to obey God. So, so the religious leaders, they come to Peter, and, and again, they're mad that he is proclaiming the gospel, and, and he says, you're not my spiritual authority because you killed Jesus, right? Like, that's pretty easy to discredit someone. Like, you killed Jesus, so why am I going to listen to you anyway? He says, I'm going to follow Jesus above having you be my spiritual authority. And so picking back up in verse 33, it says, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. He's like, we need to talk for a minute. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. That was mercy. They didn't have have them killed. They just had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The, The apostles left the Sanhedrin, don't miss this, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped. Teaching and proclaiming the good news that is Jesus the Messiah. They were flogged, and this is a word that, that can mean whipped or beaten with a rod or any of the two, and it was not a, uh, it was not a slap on the wrist. This is not a slap on the wrist. This was a painful thing they went through, and they walked out rejoicing. That's incredible. That is incredible. And if we think about it, if the disciples had just shut up and not spread the gospel, we wouldn't be here this morning. We wouldn't be here. If the gospel had not been spread, their obedience is what spread the gospel like wildfire. And I'm so thankful they didn't cave into the pressure of being uncomfortable, aren't you? And my prayer is that we wouldn't be either. Don't be deterred from work. Don't be deterred from your work that you have to do. This series is called Holy Work. We have holy work to do. And it's easy for us to be tough when there are no consequences. It's easy for people to be tough when there are no consequences. You see it on the internet, right? People say things on the internet they would never say to your face. Because you won't get punched in the face if you say something like that to me in in real life. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, there's no consequences. I can say whatever I want on the internet. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows who I am. It doesn't really matter if I say nonsense I hurt somebody that hurts somebody. It doesn't really matter. It's easy to say we can do something when there's no consequences. The same is true for us. We like to think that if someone came into this room with a gun and said, stand up if you believe in God. We like to think that we would be quick to stand up. It's a really easy thing to do when it's just me up here saying it, right? It's a totally different thing when there's actual consequences to it. It's a completely different thing when the disciples know, no, you can be killed for this. They they were beaten and they were like, man, I'm so thankful. Let's keep going. There were real consequences looking at them in the face. And they continued in obedience. We have an enemy who does not want you to work for the Lord. He does not want you to be productive. And he he in the U.S., he doesn't have to use violence to make us ineffective. He doesn't have to. In other countries, that's, what, that's what's happening. Other countries, they're putting people in jail. other countries, they're killing people for being Christians. Here in the U.S. we don't have that. And again, we, we like to think that if it were, that we would be pretty quick to, to be like, "Oh no, I'll, I'll go to jail for Jesus." We like to think I'll go to jail for Jesus, but we're not even willing to wake up a little early to spend time with him. If we're not willing to be a little uncomfortable, we ain't willing to go to prison. Don't be deterred from the work that we have to do. He wants, the enemy wants so badly for you to not work. He wants lazy Christians. And I can say this because because I have experienced it. I've been going to church for over 33 years at this point. And I'm counting the nine months that I was in, in my mother's stomach that I was also in church every time the doors were open, right? I have been in church. More than my entire life. And I can tell you, every Sunday, you might relate to this, you're going to walk out the door and you're going to think, you know what, that's somebody else's job. The enemy wants you to think, nah, that's somebody else's job. That's, that's, I'm not, I don't have the spiritual gift of, of evangelism, so it's somebody else's job. I'm just, I don't know a whole lot. This is, this is somebody else's job. And again, I could say it with confidence because I've been it. I've been that person who walks out the door and goes, man, I'm really glad somebody else, I'm really glad we have missionaries spreading the gospel. I'm really glad other people are, are working. Spreading the gospel is for people who figured out more than me. You guys might have had that thought. Or maybe you're, you're in a situation where you have been rendered ineffective because of other issues, because you're picking the wrong battles. And all of a sudden your coworkers now know you as the person who you just talk about gun control or you just talk about vaccine or you just talk about gender identity. The enemy wants you to be the loudest about these things that are that are less important than the gospel because it's going to discredit you to people on the opposite side. Suddenly everyone thinks that you're a Republican or you're a Democrat and they don't care what you have to say about Jesus. And you've been rendered ineffective. You're not able to do the work that you're supposed to do because we're no longer highly regarded. And we're now being deterred from work because it's like, now we think, well, that person doesn't care what I have to say anyway because they disagree with me on, on these issues. We've been made ineffective. Or, or, or maybe that maybe you feel ill-equipped. Maybe the enemy is, is speaking into your pride and saying, you don't you don't know enough. You don't know enough to... to to help people. You don't know enough to actually share the gospel with people. You know what's funny? Neither did the disciples. Scripture says they were uneducated men. What was the difference? They had spent time with Jesus. These were uneducated men sharing the gospel, standing in the place of the most educated people in all of Israel. And they are standing in their place teaching uneducated men why because of the Holy Spirit the same Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you so I want to speak to that insecurity this morning that if you feel like I don't know enough this guy was a fisherman he threw nets over a boat for a living okay other guy you had other guys that were tax collectors you had people that were not skilled speakers. They were not educated men. These guys might not have really known how to read. But it did not matter because they had the Holy Spirit. They had God inside of them. And that's actually why they're rejoicing after they've been beaten, right? Like, I don't think that there's anything in their, their humanity that was beaten. and was like, man, that was good. My back was a little tight before, but like, oh, it's pretty good now, right? Like, I don't think that's what they were thinking. Their rejoicing came from the Holy Spirit inside of them that was like, I can't wait. It was like, this is good. You are obeying and there are consequences, right? The enemy doesn't doesn't want to game plan against you if you're not effective in the first place. I guarantee you, going into this fall, Georgia has not watched film on any punters for the teams they're playing. They haven't right? They don't have the defense sitting in the room like, we got to look out for this third string linebacker, okay? They've got this guy, um, who, he's 5'6", he's weighs 180 pounds, and he's, he's, he's there, right? They're not game planning against those guys. That's not who they're game planning against. They're game planning against guys like N'Kobe Dean, who was now playing in the NFL, the entire defense that's now playing in the NFL, right? like Those are the guys they're game planning for, they're game-planning for George Pickens. It's like, where is he on the field? He's not going to game-plan if you're not effective. So when, when the apostles, when the disciples, they experience the, the attack from the enemy, it's because they're being effective. If we're not being attacked by the enemy, I think we have to start to question our effectiveness. We start to have to start to question, okay, if I'm not under attack, if, if things in my life are, are really comfortable and really easy... Why? Is that all the enemy has had to do? Has the enemy just had to make me comfortable and lazy so that I'm not willing to do holy work? That I'm more interested in in holy, doing nothing and just waiting until heaven? Because that's not what we're called to do. Are you preparing to be attacked? Are you getting ready? knowing that you are headed in to do holy work and that there's going to be opposition or are you just okay with being a non-factor? The disciples knew how to balance this this idea of of taking a stand and and also being highly regarded. They They respected the authority that was above them until it ran contradictory into what they had been commanded to do. We know that there are risks involved when we're following God, but that ultimately being in his will is the best place to be. Getting to be in the presence of watching him do incredible things all around us and through us in order to bring glory to him and so that he can have relationships with us and the people around us. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for... First of all, I thank you for the the country that we live in, that we are able to meet here together, to open our Bibles that we purchased without threat of, of jail, that we come here today not fearing for our lives. God, that we are so blessed to live in a country that we can come and openly worship you. God, I pray that we would not take that privilege lightly. God, that it would not make us lazy Christians. But we would realize that there is holy work to be done and that you would help us to recognize when the enemy is is trying to deter us, trying to make us ineffective, trying to make us doubt ourselves or doubt you. And that you would speak into us louder than the enemy. That we we would seek out scripture, that we would seek out music that lets you speak louder than the enemy. God, that we would not be, com- be comfortable being comfortable, but that we would desire to be attacked by the enemy because we are attacking the enemy for your kingdom. God, let us be people who are willing to pick the right battles, who, who have the wisdom to see when something is important and when something is not, because the ultimate goal is to bring you glory, to love God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to love the people around us. Let us be people who are just actively working to find the best way to be in your will and living in obedience to you. In your name we pray. Amen.